Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. More than you could ever need. He's more than the eye could see. I don't deserve his love, but he's always been there for me. You see, Jesus met me when I was at my lowest. And if you don't know Jesus, know this. He is the greatest example of generosity this world of greed has ever seen. And when Jesus hit the scene, he changed the scenery and met diversity with serenity. If you're looking for peace, he offers plenty. Jesus was and Jesus will forever be king. And when the angels sing, they sing of the grace that was displayed for sinners like me. I can't explain him and I can't describe him. And if I could, he wouldn't be Jesus because you can't explain eternity and you can't comprehend the galaxies. But it was the loving hands of Jesus who spun them into existence and created man knowing he would go to the cross to pay our sentence there was a certificate of judgment with a period after the sentence and we were sentenced to death long before he said it is finished he is a father to the orphan a shelter for the homeless a hiding place for the abused and an anchor for our storms he stormed the gates of hell and came out on top and the power of his gospel cannot be stopped even when the world tries they try a lot. He traded places with Barabbas and became the catalyst of missions across the world covering every portion of the atlas. If you're in need of rest, I know of a mattress. If you don't know Jesus, your future is tragic, but he gladly embraced tragedy so we could live in his presence of majesty. His presence is presence, and it's his presence that presents preciousness to a world of peasants. He is far from pretentious, but still loves those who are. He is the light of the world and hung the stars. He brings the dead to life and delivers life to the dead. He took a crown of thorns on his head so we could put crowns at his feet, and I can't wait until I get to kiss his feet that were nailed to a cross for me and for you and for every person around the world. He loves the world and I love his word because the word became flesh and in his flesh he demonstrated the word to the world. He is an example to every boy and every girl. He is a lover of black people. He is a lover of white people. He is a lover of the unchurched and the assembly under the steeple. He doesn't see the believers' failures but still takes time to celebrate their faithfulness. It's the power of the spirit that enables us and gives us boldness when the world labels us. And if you want to label me, please call me a Jesus freak. If that freaks you out, good. Because it's better to be good with God than to fight being misunderstood by a world that could never understand. So let it be understood that I don't worship man. We worship Jesus. And although he doesn't need us, he still sees us and pleads with us to run to the cross where he bled for us. His heart bleeds for us. His heart grieves for us. But still graciously grants us a pardon for our treason in a season where the world tries to explain the way to work of the spirit with human reasoning. There is a reason they can't. Because the spirit is like the wind and the wind cannot be seen. But loved is the one who believes without seeing the unseen. I'm telling you today that Jesus is something. He's something more. He's something great, and if you want to know him, you don't have to wait. He stands at the narrow path with a key to the gate, and you only have to reach out and embrace his grace. I don't care who's president. I have the king who is always present. I don't care who holds musical celebrity. The voice of the Lord will always be the sweetest melody. I don't care who owns the riches of the globe. My Jesus holds more wealth than one ruby on his robe. I don't care who is the strongest or the fastest. Nothing matches the creator of the universe and his immortal, infinite status. I don't care about religious leaders who died and stayed dead. 
I'll only worship the one who conquered death and wears a crown on his head. His name is Jesus, and I'm telling you, he's something. He was faithful yesterday, and he is faithful today. I can feel his presence whenever I pray, and when the time comes for me to fade away, I'll remember the day I heard him say, my name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory, 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 glory. Father, we come into your presence tonight, Lord God, knowing that you are the one, the true, and the only real God. We come, Lord God, with hearts desiring to worship. We come, Lord God, because we love you. We come, Lord God, because we know that we need you. We come, Lord God. We come, Lord God. We come, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord, to be God over everything we do tonight. Oh, God, over the worship and over the preaching and over the prayer, Father God. Father, tonight, Father God, as we speak about the power of words and transformation, Father, I pray, Lord God, that every heart listening will be transformed. I pray, Lord God, that blinded eyes will open and deaf ears will hear. I pray, Lord God, that the lame will rise to their feet once again. I pray, Lord God, that by the preaching of the word, Lord God, so that, Lord, oh God, so that the confidence and the praise and the worship may be in God, may be in you and not in any man. I pray, Lord God, that as we worship and as we pray and as we preach, oh God, that every single shackle will be shattered, that every bondage will be broken. Oh God, that every captive will be liberated, that prison doors will fly open, Lord God. Diseases will be healed. Hearts will be restored. Lives will be renewed. Callings will be renewed, oh God. And those will arise empowered to fulfill them, oh God. And it'll happen not because, Lord God, I prayed for anyone. It'll not happen attached to any other name than the name of Jesus. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Oh, glory to his name. We worship you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your glory, for your mercy and grace toward us in Jesus wonderful holy righteous name amen and amen brothers sisters friends welcome to this April the 27th edition of church without walls oh the Lord has something wonderful in store for us all so let's go to worship. We're going to start with a song called Touched by Fire. Opening verse says, Jesus blinded all my darkness. He sparked my heart within. His grace and mercy lit a passion, consumed my sin. Now like a city on a hilltop, I'll shine through the night. I am a lamp made for his glory. I will not hide. Hallelujah. 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 Let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship. If you're with us and you have access to the chat room, you'll see the lyrics up in the chat room. Let's go to worship. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. 
pop Down until everyone has that was shed it now flows to cover sin it now flows to cover sin it washes clean and purifies in its healing cleansing tie Jesus he took yes. Oh, come on. How many of you can testify? Come on. 
one who says he gave all to give me life. His spirit is present. He resurrects, he sanctifies. He takes his power and makes it mine. Now I live by faith for the one who saves. For greater gain, because he is alive inside of me. I lay down, I lay down all lesser things. For greater things, because he is alive. Oh, come on, more time. I lay down all lesser things for greater gain. Yes, yes, yes. A place in divine exchange. Hallelujah, grace is mine.
than darkness. Now every morn, our sins, they are many. Mercy is more. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, come on, glory. What father so tender is calling us home. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. They are many. Mercy is riches of kindness he lavished on us come on his blood was the payment of he lavished on us his blood was the payment his life was the cost we stood neath the debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy, more, more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
fall behind. You go before you fall behind. Before a breath beyond my death. Before a breath beyond my death. You are with me all the way to everlasting. darkness is a light from the lowest place to the highest praise you are worthy amazing love how can it be far too wonderful for me there's only one thing left to say you are worthy Yes! Hallelujah. Cry out from the heart. Search me, God, know my heart. Try me, know my anxious thoughts. Try me, know my anxious thoughts. It's way too hard.
even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me if I say surely the darkness shall cover me even the night shall be light about me yea the darkness hideth not from thee but the night shineth as the day hallelujah 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 glory 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 oh come on saints worship 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 you don't need the music to worship just worship praise him give him glory hallelujah lord god for you formed me and you made me oh lord before there was ever breath in my lungs oh god oh lord before my mother even knew my father lord god you had conceived and perceived of my birth oh god oh lord you are awesome and wonderful lord that you would bring a wretch like me into the world only to redeem him to love him to save him thank you father glory to you god glory to you god oh hallelujah 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 let's continue to worship saints this next song is called whatever comes That day may not be on this earth, but in heaven with the Holy Church. Whatever comes. Whatever comes, whatever comes, my God, you still God remain.
take a moment to worship, to adore, to say, Lord God, that we love you, we need you, we worship you. Oh God, we acknowledge that you are the all-consuming, all-wonderful, all-holy God, and we love you. Saints of God, we're going to continue to worship for one more song, then we're going to be going to the word of the Lord. Um, we're mainly going to be anchored tonight in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 21. But we're going to open in Proverbs 18 and 1 Corinthians 4. So if you want to get your Bible and be ready, we're going to open again in Proverbs 18, 1 Corinthians 4. And then we're going to anchor much of our conversation tonight in Matthew 21. If you prepare your hearts for the word, those of you who are regular attenders here at Church Without Walls, um, if you would like to give at this time, you may. Um, information on how to do that is up in the chat room. You could go ahead and do that now. Father, we thank you for those who support this ministry and make what we're doing possible. We thank you for those who support this family the raising up of a next generation. We thank you for those, Lord, without whose financial help we cannot be a blessing to others. Bless them as they give. And Father, as we worship tonight, please, Lord, do as you said you would. Inhabit, Lord, the praises of our people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to worship. One more song. I love this song. We sang this last week. Going to sing it again. I got saved. Get ready to jump, shout, dance before the Lord. Make this a proclamation if this is you. It says, there is a river of gladness. I'm sorry. There is a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. This sinner was plunged beneath the flood and got saved. Since then I walk in forgiveness. All of my doubt was erased. The chains of the past are broken at last. I got saved. I got saved. Hallelujah. Oh, if that's you and you can testify, I got saved. If you can testify, I've been renewed, I've been refreshed, I've been reborn, I got saved. Then give glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to worship. Let's go to worship. Let's go to worship. from Emmanuel's face The sinner was plunged beneath the flood and God saved Since then I walk in forgiveness All of my guilt was erased The chains of the past 
I'm broken at last, I got saved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I got Jesus. How could I want more? I've received nothing but goodness. I've tested and tasted your grace. And I was so lost till I fell.
glory, 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 glory. Oh, hallelujah. I love that line. I'm undone by the mercies of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Thank you, saints, for joining us tonight. Um, tonight, we're going to an interesting place tonight. Um, I want to speak to you tonight about an antinomy. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the phrase, the term, an antinomy exists. It's a scientific term. It exists when there are two truths that exist together in tension. Those truths are in tension because they almost seem to contradict each other, yet everything about investigation, everything we know scientifically shows them to be true and compatible. The easiest example that most people are familiar with of an antinomy is the antinomy of light. A particle cannot be a wave, a wave cannot be a particle. This is a truth. Yet, light is a wave and it is a particle. There are particles of light and yet light acts as a wave. There are waves of light. And so it's energy and it's particles. It's both. And, and this seeming contradiction works itself out in the laws of physics. Likewise, we occasionally encounter antinomies in scripture. And if you have only a superficial understanding of Scripture, then you'll come to the conclusion that you found the contradiction. But if you go deeper, you'll find the truer meaning. I want to speak to you tonight about an antinomy regarding the power of words or the lack of power in words. You see, in Proverbs 18, 21, we read an oft-quoted verse with very powerful implications for guarding our words closely. There we read, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Therefore, our words are exceedingly important. It must be exceedingly important that we watch our words. For with our mouths, we bless and with our mouths, we curse. And at the end of the day, we eat the fruit of what we say. However, in the fourth chapter of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, Paul confronts the cheap talk of those who presume to know more about the Lord and about truth than the apostle. And in confronting his accusers and the naysayers, Paul writes the following. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know underline this now, mark this, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power 
For the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. In fact, elsewhere, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that my teaching and my preaching would not be in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith will not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Do you see here? The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Yet, we enter the kingdom of God by making the good confession. We are blessed or we are cursed by the words that come out of our mouth, and yet the kingdom of God is not words, it's power. So words have power, but words are not power. And here we may begin to get confused, and that's why my topic tonight, mere talk is cheap. Power, not just words, rule the kingdom. Mere talk is cheap. Power, not words rule the kingdom. Father, grant me grace, Lord God. For Lord, as I try to unravel the mystery of this antinomy, the mysterion, the power, the glory of your great word, O God, what human mind is truly up to the task outside of that one who was the living word made flesh, the Christ man, the Lord Jesus Christ. O God, but if you would come and abide in me, if your spirit, O God, would speak through me, O God, if you would choose tonight to make my tongue, the pen of a ready writer, O Lord God, then Lord, truth can be known. Then Lord, liberty can be given to captives. O God, shackles can fall to the ground and bondages can be broken. The yoke can be lifted and men and women could be free. Souls can be saved. Lives can be transformed. Spirits can be renewed and reborn in the image of Christ, O God, if you will be with us tonight. So we ask you, Lord, to be in the hearing and in the preaching, in the teaching, in the giving, and in the receiving of the word tonight. Oh God, that you would be glorious in the midst of your people, we pray. In Christ Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to talk first about this antinomy and remind you that tension is not contradiction. Most likely by now you already see the tension between these two verses. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, yet the kingdom of God is not in words but in power. There's tension there. On the one hand, the words are power. With words we bless, with words we curse, we are undone by our words. Jesus said that's why we ought not to swear or make promises that we can't keep, that our yes should be yes and our no should be no. Add to that the fact that the Christ himself in Matthew 12, 36 to 37 stated the following, but I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. 
So lest you think that what the Lord is saying is, well, words really aren't that important. No, 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 no. On the day of judgment, we're going to give an account for every idle word, those loose words, those things we didn't think much of. And we will be justified or condemned by our own words. So words have massive power on the one hand. How then can Paul assert that the kingdom of God is not in words but in power? Are not my words power? And the answer is yes, but not always. Yes, but not always. There are circumstances and situations where words can be nullified and words become nothing but mere words. They become empty chatter, as Paul says elsewhere in Corinthians 1. Or in the first letter to the Corinthians. If our words are spoken without love, it's clanging cymbals and empty chatter. It's meaningless. So when we speak words to people without true passion, without true conviction, without true love, without the manifestation of the agape love of God, that's why we are told that we are to speak the truth in love. See, I can speak the truth and have no effect because I have no love for the hearers. See, that's why some people don't understand. You're running around trying to convict people of their sin and running around telling this person they're a sinner and this person they're an abomination and this person they're an adulterer and this person that they're this and this person that they're that. But if there's no love in your words, what right do you have to judge? See, the only one with a right to truly judge humanity is the Lord God. Now, you might step back and say, but Pastor Pete, you've preached on sin. Aren't you being a hypocrite? No, because here's the difference. Number one, when I deliver the decree of God, I am not judging you. I'm the mailman delivering the letter. Listen, I've never gone outside and gotten mad and had an argument with my postal delivery person over a bill or a check, over a problem, over an issue that somebody said. I've never received a letter and been angry and gone out and fought with the postman. He's just doing his job and delivering the mail. But more importantly than that, if you've been with this ministry any time, you know that the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. When I tell you that you ought not to be engaged in sexual activity outside of marriage. I'm not judging you. I'm pleading for your soul. When I tell you that there is no other name under heaven or under the earth or in the earth by which men can be saved, that you must be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ and by him alone, that there is no other mixture, there is no other saint, there is no other mediator, there is no other mother, there is no heavenly this or heavenly that, there is no other God, there's no Buddha, there's no Muhammad, there's no Allah, there's nothing that can stand between God and man except Jesus Christ. When I tell you this, I'm telling you in love. I'm not telling you that you're lost and going to hell because I hate you and I'm angry. I'm telling you because I love you and I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. Therefore, there's power. But when these words are spoken, out of anger or righteous self-righteousness and righteous indignation. When they're spoken from a place of pomp and circumstance and power and authority and know you not who I am? 
when they're spoken from a place that demands that you recognize my titles and my position. They're empty words. They're clanging simples. They're clanging brass. They're harsh and hard and powerless. Additionally, there are the words spoken by our accusers that bear no weight. Hear me, saints. Because I know saints that are captivated and saints that are, are, are in distress. Because so-and-so is saying such-and-such such about me. And this unbeliever is accusing me of this. And this person's accusing me of that. And don't you know that the accusers rose up against Jesus? But know ye not that the word of God says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue, every tongue, every tongue that rises up against you, you shall put to shame. This is the inheritance of the people of God. And it is glorious. So when these empty-headed people come challenging you this or accusing you of that, you need not fear. When the witch and the Wicca and the voodoo priest get together, when the medium and the necromancer and the santero and the other such get together, and cast their spells and incantations. You have no need to be afraid. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you. You shall put to shame. And so not all words have power. But even in the kingdom of God. You see there are those who speak words the words of faithless men spoken without conviction without truth without certainty without faith whatsoever such words are empty clouds pushed to and fro by the wind they are withering fruitless trees they're empty chatter these may at times be words seemingly beautiful, even scriptural words, the word of God taken out of context, but spoken from rote and not from the heart. You see, even Jesus warned that when you go into your prayer closet, you, may, you must not be tempted to speak with long flowing words and not to repeat wrote repetition of prayer. That's why to all my Catholic friends out there, listen, I, I, I admire your dedication in praying the rosary, but you would do yourself a greater service when interceding for a family member or friend or when praying for a situation to go directly to the Lord, pray to your Father in heaven and say, Father, I have a need. Rather than just praying some words that someone taught you to repeat. You see even scripture when taken out of context. Or spoken with the wrong heart. You see people are fond of name it and claim it. And they blab it and grab it. And they tell you by the name it and claim it crowd. That if you look you take these scriptures and you write them down. And if you pray this prayer you can obligate God. No you can't. Because God measures the heart that's speaking the words. So when I claim that 
He is the God that healeth me, but forget that before that it says that if I obey His commandments and if I live according to His will, then He's the God. See, when I forget the first part, I have no right to the second part. That's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 50 when he says in you, what right do you have to take my words into your mouth, seeing as you cast my commandments behind you? So you see, brother and sister, even the word of God can be made of no effect when spoken by someone whose heart is not in it. If you want proof of that, just look at the temptation of Christ in the desert. When the Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted of Satan, Satan used the word of God. But he used it out of context and he used it out of an evil heart and he used it to try to manipulate God. And Christ responded with the word. So it's not that the word of God is of no effect. But on the one hand, you have someone with an evil heart using the word to manipulate and tear down. On the other hand, you have someone speaking with faith and truth, defending the glory and honor of God. So words are powerful. And we'll give an account for our words. But there are situations And there are issues of the heart that determine the efficacy and the power of the word spoken. Perhaps a greater illustration of this comes from the hand of the master teacher himself, Jesus the Christ, when he delivers his parable of the two sons. Follow me, if you will, for a moment to Matthew chapter 21. There round about the 28th verse the 21st chapter, the Gospel of Matthew, we read, Jesus speaking, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He, the son, answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he, the man, came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. I go, sir. Respect. Positivity. Affirmation. And went not. Then Jesus asked the question in verse 31. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. Now Jesus was testing the scribes, the Pharisees, the chief priests of his day, the leaders. And they said unto him, the first. Jesus said unto them, verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterwards, that ye might believe him. Let's focus first on the parable, and then this exchange that follows the parable. First of all, focusing on the parable, it's quite simple. There's a man, he has two sons. To me, this speaks of two people in the kingdom. See, the world is divided in two and divided in two and divided in two. What do I mean? 
You see, all the world is saved and lost. That's it. There are people who are in the kingdom of God. There is the church. And then there are those outside the kingdom of God. They are lost. But Jesus talks about a white throne judgment on the last days. Where the sheep are separated from the goat. Where the wheat are separated from the tares. And those who are set aside on his right hand are told, well done, thou good and faithful servants. When you saw me hungry, when you saw this, when you, 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 you took care of me, now enter into the kingdom. Enter into the peace. Enter into the grace of your Father. But those on the left cried out, Lord, Lord, did we not and they named these marvelous things they did in his name. And he never says they never did those things. But he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. That phrase, workers of iniquity, is people who lived as though I never gave you a law to follow. You lived according to your own will. You did your own thing. Yes, you were a part of my thing. Yes, you showed up to the couple's social Yes, you showed up to the Sunday fun day activities. Yes, you manned a table at the church picnic. Yes, you even donated a little money and helped a missionary go off on the field. Yes, you did. Yes, you were there that night that they had the evangelist in and there was deliverance and they were praying over people. And yes, you joined in the prayer of the saints. But you never lived like I asked you to live. You never followed my command. You never went into the vineyard when I sent you. What is he saying? See, two sons, one said no. He said no. But he repented afterward and went. Another said yes. Joyfully. But never did it. What happens when words and actions don't match up? See, I know there are all those who say faith, 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 and yes, we are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Even the faith that we have to believe is a gift of God, so you can't even claim that your faith got you saved. But you see, this parable is James 2, 17 to 26. This is the prayer prayed in faith, a confession made from the heart of faith. These bear fruit of action. This is what James was talking about in James 1 when he says that faith without works is dead. See, he's not saying that we can work our way into heaven. But if I truly have faith, in the confession that I've made, if I truly believe that Jesus is Lord, then because the Lord has come to live in my heart, my life changes. My obedience may be reluctant, but at the end of the day, he'll have my obedience, and obedience is greater than sacrifice. You see, the key issue here is repentance. Not words, but change. Repentance is not the saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is the change of attitude and of heart that changes my living. So if there's no change in me, 
What did my words and my confession really mean? I've walked with Christ long enough to meet myriads of people who have prayed a sinner's prayer and never changed, never repented, never changed anything about the way they live. And people gather around and tell me, oh, but they're saved, they're saved. Pray for them because they're not living like a saved person. They're not living like a saved person because they're not saved. And I'm not saying the saved people are perfect. We stumble. We make mistakes. By the way, everyone is a work in progress. I get that. And no, I don't expect the brother who came to the altar and gave his life to Christ tonight to act like a man who's walked with Christ for 20 years. But I do expect both of them to be making progress. The expectation, see, is I'm a better man. I'm a better Christian today than I was yesterday. But I'm not as good as I'll be tomorrow. And with every tomorrow that Jesus gives me, I'm being transformed from image to image and from glory to glory. I'm going from glory to glory to glory to glory, daily being transformed into the image of the Christ. That's the work of sanctification. But if there's no work of sanctification being wrought in me, then what evidence is there that the Holy Spirit is in me? And if there's no spirit been given to me, then what spirit has animated me? And what spirit gave me new life? Do you really mean to tell me that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have come and made their home in your heart and yet there is no transformation and no change? I beg to differ. Let God be true and all men liars. But watch. Let's connect this to Jesus' conversation after the parable and you see what I'm talking about. Jesus responds to their affirmation of the parable, they get it. Which of the sons did the will of the father? The first, the one who said no, but repented and went. Not the one who said yes, but never did it. And he explains to them, the publicans and harlots will enter the kingdom of heaven before you, before the chief priests and before the elders of the people, before the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we've got to stop and say, how is that possible? Lord God, how is it possible that the first have become last and the last have become first? How is it possible that these people who are openly known as sinners? See, there are those who you meet and you don't know if they're saved. They might be saved, they might not. There are those in church. You would think they have no sin, their sin is hidden. But Jesus is talking about the publicans and the harlots. He's talking about those whose sin is so openly known. Everybody knows her. Everybody knows what she does. Everybody's seen her on that corner. And there are some of you, you've been drawn to Christ out of situations where, come on, everybody knew. Everybody knew what you were doing. Everybody knew who you were. Everybody. And it's one of the problems in the church is sometimes we become more known for our error than for our reformation. What do I mean? Well, we talk about blind Bartimaeus, but blind Bartimaeus may have lived more days seeing than he lived blind, for Jesus healed him. Why don't we call him seeing Bartimaeus? Oh. 
We talk about the woman with the issue of blood. But Jesus healed her of her issue, called her a woman of faith, sanctified her, made her a daughter of the Christ. Why don't we call her the daughter whose issue was healed? We have a habit of holding on to labels of what people were before B.C., before Christ, rather than remembering Adodomini, after the Lord. And so the publicans and the harlots will enter the kingdom before those who are the leaders. How? You see, the Pharisees and the elders, the religious leaders, everything about them, their outward appearance, their mode of conversation, their position in society, the way that they dress, their professions, their studies, their ability to quote scripture and even expound upon it. Everything about them says, yes, Lord. But as Jesus pointed out elsewhere, they ignored the weightier things of the law, grace and mercy, forgiveness, brotherly affection and so forth. And so he calls them whitewashed tombs. He calls them whited sepulchers. Beautiful on the outside with death inside. Because while everything on the exterior says yes, 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 yes. So much on the interior is resisting. On the other hand, the publicans and the harlots. Everything about them, their mode of dress, their occupation, their reputations. Everything about them says no Lord. I'll live my way. I'm going to do it my way. But just like the first son in the parable, when they heard the truth preached unadulterated, pure, with anointing, passion, conviction, and mercy, they repented. They changed and made efforts to correct their course. They made restitution. They went on to greater things. And so what does all this have to do with words? You see, the first son spoke the wrong words, but he had the right heart and he changed. And I know some of you listening to me right now, that might be hard for you to grasp. You've walked with the Lord and your life with the Lord, you're just automatically, but is there anyone listening who's ever resisted the will of God? Come on, I know when I was a young Christian, I was anxious. To be called. Because I, 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 all I could see was the spotlight. So I wanted the title. I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be an evangelist. I wanted to be. And over the course of time as I walked with Christ. And as he began to call me into ministry. And as he took me thither and yarn. And as I ministered on the mission field. And as I ministered on the street. And as I ministered here. And as the attacks began to come. And as I began to deal in spiritual warfare. And as I began to see the cost. That the men of God who I so uh, exemplified, the men of God who I looked up to, as I began to see what it cost them, as I began to see the pain, and I began to see the challenge, and I began to see the sufferings, and I began to see the cost, and I began to see the sweat and the tears and the hours on their knees, as I began to say that, I began to resist. And when God said, I want you to build the church, I'll be honest with you, my first reaction is, God, are you sure? Surely God, send by the hand of him who you will send. I'll support. But surely there must be another who can go. I've had times where God has called me to speak to this person or that. And God, are you sure? Oh, come on. 
Am I the only one? Is there anyone who would testify out there? Yes, there are times that God has called me and I didn't feel up to the task and I resisted and I said, I don't know. And I said, maybe not. And I delayed. But then my heart smote me when I thought of the cross. And when I thought of Calvary, when I thought of his love for me, when I thought about the blood poured down from Emmanuel's veins, when I thought about the nails in his hands and feet and the crown of thorns, when I thought about the suffering Christ and his proclamation, it is finished, that delivered me from hell and pain and suffering, the pain of of being bipolar. When I remembered that God delivered me from bipolarism and delivered me from depression and delivered me from addictions and delivered me from problems and delivered me out of the hand of hell itself. How could I possibly say not so, Lord? And my no, I will not go. Turned to vot ya gaspot pashlimenya. Em yaki em viem Here I am, Lord. Send me wherever, whenever, however, whatever the cost, send me. You don't have to make it convenient. You don't have to show me the whole map. I'll go. I'll go. And that transformation of heart is what God is looking for. You see, salvation is not in the praying of a simple prayer. I don't care where and when you prayed the sinner's prayer. I care where and when it had an effect in your heart. The transformation of a heart, the rebirth of a spirit and soul. New life. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are made new. That's power. And so one man, one woman, in one time, one place, can pray the sinner's prayer has no effect. Because they don't believe Jesus is their Lord. They're not sure whether or not he really died for them. They don't really want to give all and sell all. They're not really given to him. Another barely ever prayed a word. Mumbled what sounded like gibberish. Through his stammering jaws, tears ran down. And that one is saved because it was a transformation. Brothers, sisters, let us beware of sitting upon the high horse of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and claiming that because I can quote a scripture, that means it lives in my heart. The mere ability to know what the word says is not enough. Even the Bible says to know the right thing to do and not do it is sin. But it's an issue of the heart. And so as I close tonight, I want us all to take a checkup. I want us to stand before that great cardiologist of the spirit. And let him check our hearts. I don't want you to think about anybody else. I don't want you to think about your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents, your grandparents, your niece, your nephew, your next door neighbor. I don't want you to think about Sally who sits next to you in the choir. Forget all of that. This is about you. What about you? What about your words? Do the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart 
produce actionable evidence of a heart transformed by an encounter with the Christ? Are your words, yes, Lord, yes, but your life not so, Lord? Or maybe tomorrow, God. Have you been born again? Is there a transformation? It's not enough to say, listen, I understand. Jesus has power. That, that's not enough. Even the demons believe that and tremble when they say it. But will you bend the knee of your will to his call? What about saints who are listening right now? And God has called you. He's called you. He's called you. And you said yes. But you haven't gone. You haven't made plans. You still haven't sold that property. You haven't quit that job. You haven't bought that ticket. You haven't even gone and gotten your passport. But you said yes, you go to the mission field. When are you going to go? God asked you to help somebody. He even gave you the exact dollar amount. And you said, yes, Lord. But you haven't written that check. You haven't visited that home. You haven't paid that bill. I want to give you an opportunity to make these things right tonight. I want to give you an opportunity tonight to say, yes, Lord, not with your lips, but with your life. I also want to offer some hope. I want to offer some hope to those out there who may have at one time or another resisted the will of God. Maybe you're out there and you're listening right now and you know at some point or another God called you to something and you resisted but you don't want to resist anymore. You're done resisting. You're done running. You've said no in the past. But today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. But come to him. Would you come? Would you be free? Would you be delivered? Is there anyone? Would you come? Would you come? If this word is spoken to you tonight, I want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to lift your hands, to begin to pour out your heart before the Lord. Begin to make restitution for your wrongs. Begin to walk in the right direction. 
come on, I know you're waiting for me to pray, but this is not about me. I, I can't lead you in this. There are too many different possibilities and too many of you listening for me to be able to know to whom I'm speaking or what the issue is between you and God, but you know and he knows. So you begin to pour out your heart. You begin to make things right. Begin to do that even now. Oh, as for some, the tears begin to flow. Know that God is not angry with you. He loves you. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore you. He's given you an opportunity, a window of grace. Don't harden your heart against him, but come. Come. Hear him, know him, accept him. Stand before the Lord God and tremble. And make things right. Father, I pray tonight for these, O oh God, who have come, who are praying, who are pouring out their hearts before you. Lord, you see their hearts. You know them. You love them. I want to ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, to bless them, to touch them, to help them, to lead them, to love them. Please, Father, transform their lives tonight in the mighty, the wonderful, and the holy name that is Jesus. Amen. Amen. And amen. I want to go to worship for a moment. Um, we do have a live call-in line. I want to give you the opportunity to call in. If you have questions tonight, if you need prayer tonight, please don't don't waste time. Time has become such a precious commodity to me. I've always recognized its value, but its value seems even weightier to me now than ever. The number is 646-721-9917. If you need prayer beyond what we touch tonight, you have questions and you must have an answer tonight. Call that line, press option one, and we'll get you connected right away. I also want to ask you, um, I appealed earlier to those who are regular attenders here. Maybe you're listening for the first time. Maybe you've just joined us. If this word is spoken to you, I'm a firm believer. If we don't know each other, I have no right to ask for your money. I know there are other evangelists, televangelists, radio personalities. They'll twist your arm. No, no. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. But he does say that if we've sown spiritual fruit into your lives, we've sown spiritual seed into you, we have a right to reap a financial harvest. Now, I'm not trying to twist your arm. Listen to what I'm saying. If tonight's service touched you and you would say, wow, I believe in what Kolkata Christ Ministries is doing. Pastor Pete, I'm with you. I want to help. I want to, I want to support. What can I do? There are three ways you can help. Now, obviously, the first thing we desire are your prayers. 
please pray for us. Pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for those affiliated with this ministry. But if you would like to help financially, there are three ways you can do that. You can go to our website, kqcministries.org. Click on the Donate Now tab. It'll get you over to our PayPal and take care of that. Now, if you have PayPal, Pop Money, Quick Pay, Christel, um, I don't know, any of the new services, bottom line, you can use our email address, kqcministries at gmail.com. Or you can use traditional mail or what I like to call snail mail. You can write to us. Our mailing address, KQC Ministries, care of Pastor Pete Torres, 97 Jefferson Street, Highland Mills, New York, 10930. So we're going to go to worship for a moment. You go ahead if you want to help and donate, but if you need prayer, remember, live call in line 646-721-9917. We're here. We're ready to take your call. Let's worship just a little more. This wonderful song. Hallelujah here below. A paradoxology. We are an altar of broken stones. But you delight in the offering. You have the heavens to call your home. But you abide in Ten thousand angels surround your throne To bring you praise I will never cease But hallelujah from here below Is still your favorite melody We
until it does. For here and now shall your kingdom reign. Oh, yes. Let his kingdom reign in your heart right now, right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you on behalf, O oh God, of our sister Daphne. Father God, as the praises go up, let your glory come down. Father, begin to consume the sickness, Lord God, that's consuming her. We declare and decree, O oh God, the power of the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every name that can be named, every knee must bow, must break, must bend its will, so we command sickness to leave her body. We pray for supernatural strength and energy. We pray, Father God, that as she shuts herself into the secret closet of prayer, Lord God, you would touch her, you would heal her, you would empower her, you would revive her, you would revitalize her, Lord God. That you would do this over and 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 over. We pray this not only for her, but for every one of your saints. Father, as we leave rejoicing, I pray, Lord God, for every person who has joined us tonight. Oh, God. I, I, I want to name names, but I can't. But I do specifically want to mention Sister Maria, who I, I know, Lord, I know this message tonight was for her. But it was also for Aaron, for Daphne, for Dave, for, for others, Father, who are listening. And Father, there are those who are going to be listening, Father God, in the archives later. This message is for them. They needed to hear this, Lord. So I pray, Lord God, that you touch them, you bless them, that, Lord, you write this message upon their hearts, and that, Lord, from here on forward, our answer to your request, will you go into my vineyard? Will you go for, lo, the fields are white unto harvest? Our answer will be, yes, Lord, send me, not with our lips, but with our lives, O God, that we would pledge everything we are and everything we have to the glory of our God. And there would be this crescendo of hallelujah here on earth to the glory of God. Now, Father, I bless these who have joined us tonight. I declare them to be the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. They are world overcomers. They are more than conquerors. They are blessed going in, blessed going out. They are blessed in the city, in the field, on their jobs, in their studies, in their homes, everywhere they go and everything they do. You will prosper the work of their hands. For they've worked this work for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise forever and ever and evermore. Bless our homes, bless our families, bless our lives to be a blessing to your kingdom. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. 
Brothers and sisters, thank you for joining us. We're going to close out tonight. Um, not with another song. Just a quick little two-minute excerpt. Feel the need to remind you, stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. If you let him take the broken pieces, instead of sweeping them under the rug while you hide in the trees, if you bring him the mess, he'll start putting it together in such a way that when men see the glory of the splendor of your story, it will not be because there are no shattered days. Verse 19. Let's read verse 18. After the third declaration of love in Jesus, restores him to apostolic intention. Three words of betrayal, three love of three words of a love affair trumps the three words of failure. Proximity fixes everything and nothing else ever will. Well, I feel it. Down in my bones, down in my soul. Hallelujah. If you think you're going to leave here and live the rest of your life with a perfect scorecard, you're going to be disappointed. But if you find a Jesus that you get so close to his heartbeat, that you have no interest in the little flames of adultery and fornication and pornography and greed and lies. Come on. Hallelujah. Most assuredly, Jesus speaking to Peter said, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you'll stretch out your hands. Another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Verse 19. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. When he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. What's the first thing Jesus ever said to a fisherman named Simon cleaning his father's nets? Follow me. Now that you blew it, and love conquered it. I gotta tell you something. The plan is still intact. We're gonna go back where we started. Follow me. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Saints of God, be blessed. You are blessed. Now go. Be a blessing to others. We love you and Jesus loves you. We'll see you back here next week at 6 p.m. Eastern. The Lord bless you and keep you in all that you do to be a blessing to his kingdom. Good night and God bless. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.